listening to What You know what we are allowed to do now, though? What do we got? We're allowed to go to Raves in the Netherlands. I don't know if you saw that video online. <laughs> oh, exciting <yeah>. stuff. <laughs> I thought it was a misprint. It looked more like a lame. <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> if you see the video, it almost it almost looked like uh, like the Smells Like Teen Spirit video with the lighting, but they got the, they got the music playing, and everyone's like, oh, People tapping their toes. I saw some people actually tapping their toes. It was pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. It was a true rave. I don't know. Six feet apart, dancing, people yeah. singing, sweating in a closed circulation room. I don't know if they, they thought this through well. I, I don't know. <laughs> you got to sit at a desk, too. It's a lot of risk to uh, just sit at a desk and sling your jacket on the back. Like I said, it looked like a classroom. It was. Uh, it's, a, it's an event, though. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. You know, I, hey, sit at your desk while I'm in the car mowing the lawn. Always grooving, brother. Don't don't fight the feeling, Dooner. Let's. I, I know your toes are tapping right now. Yeah. Hey, how was your weekend, man? You said uh, you said you were lagging a little behind. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing good. <laughs> lots of sun. Lots of being outside. Lots of pool. Lots of chasing kids around the yard. That type of stuff. So yeah, a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah, it was a busy weekend. It was good though. All right, good man. Weekend. You know what I'm excited about? So we started this. Well, Lance Healy kind of started on on uh, <laughs> at at home, right? Well, maybe the cowbell yeah. started, but then Lance Healy did. He brought his uh, his melt harp. He did a song for us live, and now we've had a uh, we've reached out to the supply chain musician community, and we have them playing songs for us on the show today. Starting today, we got another one from uh, I don't know who's Eric Hansen's going to be playing us something. Yeah, we, we, it really, we had Lawrence Alvarado with his trumpet, too. Don't forget Lawrence. No, can't forget Lawrence Alvarado, but not on this episode, man. No, he's not going to be here today, but someday we'll have everybody Zoom together. We'll have a Zoom Zoom band or something. Yeah, uh, we're putting it out there. If you, if you play an instrument, reach out to us on LinkedIn uh, at Timothy Dooner, D-O-O-N-E-R, or Michael Vincent. Well, I will be happy to talk to you. This episode, though, is brought to you by Pilot Flying J Axel Fuel Card, which provides the credit you need with fast approvals and money back. There are no transaction fees and no monthly fees, so sign up for yours today at AxelFuelCard.com. Axel Fuel Card, it keeps fleets on a roll, subject to credit approval, and terms and conditions may apply. Always terms and conditions, man. Oh, yeah. They're always there. Big story, big story. This one is uh, up on FreightWaves.com. Got a ton of response in the comment section there. I also talked about it on FreightWaves Radio over the weekend. A lot of callers had an opinion on, on this one, and it's lawmakers tout handgun bills, self-defense value to truckers. Advancing legislation that would allow truck drivers to travel freely between states while carrying concealed weapon is a priority for the lawmaker who introduced it. U.S. Rep. Richard Hudson is a Republican of North Carolina. He introduced the concealed carry Reciprocity Act. Reciprocity Act? Reciprocity. Yeah, Reciprocity. Reciprocity Act of 2019. He told Freightways, truck drivers are the backbone of our country and understand this issue more than most as they drive alone with valuable merchandise across state lines every week. I will continue to fight to advance this bill in Congress and defend the truck drivers and all law-abiding citizens. 
Yeah, the legislation introduced in January of last year allows individuals licensed to carry a concealed handgun in their state of residence to legally transport it into another state that allows concealed carry. Those who qualify under the proposal must be eligible to possess, transport, or receive a firearm under federal law and must carry a valid concealed carry permit issued by any state or be eligible to carry a concealed firearm in their state of residence, according to the bill's language. Hudson introduced a bill in the previous Congress where it passed the Republican-controlled House of Representatives in December 2017 by a vote of 231 to 198, with six Democrats voting uh, in favor. Uh, The current legislation, however, which has 160 co-sponsors, is so far supported by only two Democrats. A similar concealed carry reciprocity bill introduced in the U.S. Senate last year by uh, John Cornyn, uh, Republican Texas, currently has 38 sponsors, all Republicans. Not shocking. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, expanding gun carry rights in the trucking industry is a longstanding issue. It's becoming more prominent when supply chain safety risks increase and drivers become more concerned about protecting themselves from crime. It's an issue that has come up in the past week where a couple different drivers drove and proceeded into protest, putting themselves and protesters in dangerous situations. Uh, In 2018, the latest full year data available, the 20 deaths, there was 20 deaths documented in the trucking sector. Um, it counted 2.4% of all fatal workplace accidents and, and was, were done by violence, gun violence, persons or animals. That's according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Uh, you made a good point about this, though. What happens if you bring it federal, dude? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you want to do that. You got states that are controlling this. I have a concealed carry in the state of Tennessee, which the reciprocity lets me go into a many, many states. There's very few that I can't. Uh, it's one of the more stringent ones in in Tennessee, and it, it, it's recognized in most states. There's very few that it's not. Uh, so I'm not understanding really what the language of this is. But if you give this over to the federal, it's the federal government that's got a little bit more control of something. It's a slippery slope, a slippery yeah. slope. As I mentioned on radio over the weekend, a lot of drivers called in. Uh, one gentleman had a solution that ties back to another popular subject, which was dogs in the cab. Here's a here's a clip from the radio show over the weekend, though. Welcome back to Freight Waves Radio, a discussion of industry topics that give you a broad view of what's happening right now in transport on Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Radio. Hey, good afternoon, drivers. Thanks for joining us for a few exits here. Phone lines are open. I'll show 888-876-2336. That's 8888-ROAD-DOG. One topic that's seen to catch a, to catch the attention of, of a lot of drivers out there is this concealed carry law. So what was on your mind? Oh, I just... uh I'm going to make a quick comment um, with uh, all the companies nowadays letting people take their dogs with them uh, on the road. Um, In my opinion, I would much rather have my 85-pound, well-trained, not-neutered male German Shepherd sitting shotgun than a shotgun. Because I've had him get me out of a couple situations, just somebody looking at him. Hey, what's your dog's name, Tim? Hank. (laughs) Baby Hank. (laughs) <laughs> hey baby hank over there what do you think dude uh bringing the dog on the road i mean i think it's a separate issue but uh you know he's got a point over there dogs can can bring you a lot of protection well i i think the one thing that strikes me is you visually immediately you see this intimidating german shepherd named hank i believe <laughs> which is a pretty good name i like it uh and, and immediately say i'm not messing with this guy where if he's concealing a gun maybe you proceed and you get into an altercation that could have stopped with the visuality of the dog right so i i think he's got a little bit of a point there actually 
Yeah, uh, a little bit more bad news here. General Election, General Electric, it cuts 257 jobs at the Cell Texas plant. The coronavirus pandemic has prompted layoffs at General Electric Company's jet engine plant in McAllen, Texas, according to the Warren notice filed with the Texas Workforce Commission. At least 257 employees at GE Engine Services McAllen will be laid off starting June 12th, according uh, officials at GE citing the impact of COVID-19 emergency and the government shutdown orders are reasons for this uh, job reduction. Yeah, it's hitting a lot of industries. So GE Engine Services, McAllen provides jet engines and components for aircraft and distributes its products uh, internationally. Dooner. And another aviation-related company cutting jobs in Texas is Allied Aviation. It recently laid off an additional 50 people at its DFW uh, Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport location, bringing its total layoffs to 91. Wow. The aviation fueling company, that, that one is a part of New York-based Allied Aviation Services, Inc. It handles tanker trucks for fueling jet planes and airports in the U.S., including two locations in Texas, as well as Canada, South America, and the Caribbean. And with uh, air travel being down so much, you know, big, big issue over here for those guys, too. Yeah, absolutely. People are, are having to, uh, well, companies are, are having to uh, trim, uh, trim the, I guess you could say trim the fat, but it's not necessarily, it, it is fat right now just because, you know, the it, business is down. Nobody's traveling. Uh, there's no demand for new, uh, new, uh, uh, jets, et cetera, new engines and so on and so forth. So it's, it's, uh, hopefully it'll come back and hopefully it'll come back soon, but, um, just another fallout. Yeah. Hey, let's tell our first guest up. Let's get her up on the line. You may know her as the founder of women in trucking. We know her as Ellen. Hey, Ellen. Uh, <laughs> hello. Welcome to What the Truck with Dooner and the Dude. We're glad to have you on the air with us. Well, hey, Dooner. I'm glad to be on here with you. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce yourself, young lady, to our audience. I'm sure most of them may know you, but if they don't, uh, give them a little intro. Sure. I'm the president and CEO of the Women in Trucking Association, and we're a nonprofit organization, and our goal is to get more women employed in the trucking industry. Yes, a noble goal. I'll give you a little cowbell for that one. I'm sure uh, Mr. Dude would as well as if he brought his cowbell or his bass in. Um, (laughs) It's a little bit more difficult for me to just hit hit a couple of bass line for you there, Ellen. But uh, good stuff that you're doing there. Very good stuff that you're doing there. Hey, Ellen, you also have a little bit, you introduced yourself, but you also have a, a backstory that starts in Wisconsin at a steel fabricating plant. Tell me about that. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. In high school, I went to shop class because I didn't, I, I told my mom, I said, oh, I can pay someone to cook and clean, but I want to learn, you know, woodworking and drafting and things like that. So I w- went to work for a steel fabricating plant in the drafting department. And one day they came and they said, hey, we want to move you into traffic. And I'm like, uh, okay, what's traffic? <laughs> you know? um, and they sent me to school for traffic and transportation management. So I got to, I learned how to read tariffs and audit freight bills and it was really cool. And so I was the assistant traffic manager and then traffic manager. And then from there, I went on, um, when I started my family, I did consulting to trucking companies for 18 years. So I've been in the trucking industry inadvertently um, my entire career. Isn't it funny, Ellen, how the, the industry just kind of grabs hold of you and you just can't get rid of it? You know, it does. It gets in your blood. And then, then you're like, you know, I guess I like it here. So, But I have to tell you, my... <laughs> My original goal, well, I actually went to school for broadcast journalism because I wanted to uh, do television, you know, like Barbara Walters kind of stuff. And so come full circle around and now I get to have my own show on Sirius XM. And how cool is that? 
See, me too, Ellen. That's I awesome. went to I went to uh, art school as well to be the next Babs, but I, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of my own thing going on. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> so, so Ellen, uh, uh, women in trucking. You're CEO and president, right? Of 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 women in trucking. So. It, this year obviously has been a, a challenge in many, many different ways, but what are some of the biggest concerns for uh, women in trucking that you've seen this year? Well, women have always been uh, concerned about their safety, and that's their physical safety. And especially the pandemic has increased that concern because they're being exposed to germs when they deliver and, you know, stop at truck stops and and scales and, you know, rest areas and things like that. And so a lot of them are concerned about even going home and exposing their families to potential, you know, virus. But now with uh, um, all the riots that are happening all over the country, that even increases the stress load on these poor drivers because they're keeping watch of which cities, you know, to go into and which to avoid and what areas to avoid. And here they are driving into cities where there's unrest and, you know, uh, some looting and, and protests and things like that. So personal safety is a huge issue right now. Yeah, Ellen, when I was on uh, radio over the weekend, the, the two stories that really seemed to, and as you know as a host, some stories resonate with the audience and some don't. The two that did that we were covering were, well, the main one that did was this concealed carry law because of the situation where a few drivers had driven into protests, ran into trouble. What are you hearing from drivers? A lot of them are obviously very pro-concealed carry. Uh, is the women in trucking group of a similar volition? Um, we really don't take a stand on anything like that. Um, I know some of our members are probably, <laughs> um, you know, pro concealed carry, and I think some of them aren't. So we just, we really don't take a stand on that. Um, but um, we do suggest that women are um, armed with a good can of hornet spray, which can reach 15 feet. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Keep away from the illegal. murder hornets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, I mean, personal safety right now is just, I mean, they're just, they're just getting really stressed out. And, you know, it's just been a huge concern for us to make sure that not only their emotional, their physical safety, but their emotional safety is being addressed as well. Yeah. So, um, Alan, we, we looked at the job numbers uh, or the yeah, the job numbers, and employment rate that have that have come out lately and, and particularly in transportation, employment is is lagging and, and and dropped a bit in the in the last numbers, uh, but could catch up, uh, I, I would think. What, what's your outlook on that? Well, think about this. All the truck driving schools have been closed. Yeah. I mean, you can't even train new drivers. So I think as the schools are opening up, in fact, we. I remember the month uh, Emily Salaby of AAA uh, Truck Driving School said that they've been getting tons of calls for people interested in getting into a career in trucking because the trucking profession has been elevated during this pandemic. Because, I mean, one one guy even said that he had, he drove um, into a store with a load of toilet paper and when he got out of his truck, people were clapping. You know, they were so happy to see him. So I, I think you know, drivers are being hailed as heroes in many ways. And so people are reconsidering their view, not only of the industry, but of the job. So I, th- I think you're going to see um, a lot of people considering careers in trucking after this, you know, at- once the schools start opening up. 
Yeah. Hey, Robert Lloyd in the comments, he says, truckers have a right to carry too. That's a sentiment a lot of drivers had when they were dialing in. They they want a way to protect themselves beyond just the uh, the tire thumper. I mean, I, I can see both sides of the argument there. But you have been another big topic that was 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 diversity. Right. And you have been fighting for diversity in trucking for a long time, especially gender diversity. Do you think things are improving at all, especially as the the natural the national spotlight starts focusing across all industries? I do. I think that women are seeing careers as uh, options for them. Uh, in the past, a lot of women would look at a truck trailer and not even picture themselves working in the trucking industry. And now, because we share a member of the month, we have a new driver ambassador program. We're always telling the stories of our female drivers. More women are looking at that and saying, you know what? I could do that. If she can do that, I can do that. So the numbers are increasing. Um, and we're about 10% over the road uh, drivers uh, for for women um, in the United States. So we're we're getting there. It's not fast enough, but we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 10% is, uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's growing, and, and that's excellent. You, do you attribute that more to the press that we're seeing now? I mean, is it recently coming up, or has it been a long road? Or uh, is it more like the perception of the – because you talked about – uh, the perception really of the truck drivers and this guy being applauded for, for bringing in toilet paper, which could be for various reasons. But I like to think it's because of people are realizing just how important the supply chain is and what an important role the, the truck drivers have. And they're spending weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and one guy, what, 90 days since he was with his family last because he's wow. he's moving goods and doesn't want to try and infect them. But this kind of uh, it, it, it is a much more glamorous job now, I think. I don't know if you want to call it glamorous, but it much and much better light. You think that has something to do with it? I do. And I do think that people are seeing the technology that the trucking industry is using. Um, also, the industry has changed so much. It, it used to be you had to be big and burly and mechanically minded. You don't need to anymore. You know, and so we have to change the perception of who is able to be a, a professional driver. And you know what? Um, it's not as as it's not what people, it's not your grandpa's truck anymore. Put it that way. You know, I mean, with, with all the technology, the anti-rollover, anti-collision, you know, automated transmissions and, and more and more drop and hook and carriers are getting drivers home more often. It's just a whole different industry than it was 20 years ago. And it's our job in the industry to make sure that people understand that things have changed and it's, it's a, a better place for everyone. Yeah, Ellen, I scream from this from the mountaintops all the time, and media plays a big role, too. And in movies, there hasn't been, like, a hero truck driver since Lincoln Hawking over the top. Otherwise, it's like it's always, you know, Joyride and Candy Cane and, you know, chasing <laughs> high school students down, down a barren highway or something. You know, so we need some more heroes highlighted as well. So, Hollywood, a little call to action from you guys. You know, uh, watch out. I've always wanted to do a superhero, like a comic book with a female truck driver. So hang in there. We're going to get there. We're going to bring it, man. <laughs> Ellen, how do, uh, how do, so how do people reach out and, and learn more and, re and connect with your team? Well, they can go to womenintrucking.org. We're a nonprofit. And I have to mention, 15% of our members are men. You don't have to be a woman to join. Because if you understand and believe in our mission to increase the percentage of women in the industry, then join. So womenintrucking.org. Wow. Excellent, Excellent stuff. Women in trucking dot org. Go very inclusive, even accepts men, despite the name being women in trucking, as Ellen just put out there. Help share their voice if you believe in their cause. Thank you so much, Ellen. Thanks, guys. Wow. Thank she, you, Ellen. She's always so insightful. You know, she, and she's polished, too, because she's she's got her own radio show. Yeah, she. 
She's very good and very, very nice to talk to. But you know what I was thinking was, didn't didn't Bruce Willis take down a helicopter with a truck? Uh, in one, in of, one of the diehards, right? Yeah, when it die hard with a vengeance or something, or die hard like with intent or whatever, <laughs> or like die harder. Yeah, uh, Anthony D. Filippo says great conversation. Yes, and I believe women should for sure, and at the very least, mace or pepper spray, which they uh, which they can't carry. Yeah, there's actually laws against carrying that wasp and mace and pepper pepper spray in some places too. I you know I feel for the drivers. A lot of them are handcuffed, depending on where they're they're even driving out of uh, Vincent. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And and you know, a good rule of thumb is if you're going to carry a baseball bat, have a glove with it. That's uh, an excuse. Yeah, and also, I mean, the other one is don't be afraid to swing it, but understand what swinging it means, too. You know, you can put yourself in some bad situations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're responsible for where that thing goes. There's there's no doubt about it. But I don't know, maybe a dog. I, li- I like uh, I like Hank. Hank, Hank looked cool. Was that an actual picture of Hank, by the way? No, it actually, I had to put a disclaimer on it. Not an actual picture of Hank. I didn't have a picture uh, of Hank, but he was a, uh, he's a very frequent caller, Uncle Spazzy. But now here's another caller. It's Eric Hansen. He's a customer experience rep for, for Dispatch for Greenville, Texas. He also describes himself as a, a logistician, a musician, and a professional tourist. Eric Hansen, thank you for coming to the show. Well, thank you for having me today. Definitely appreciate it, sir. How are y'all doing? We're doing great. How you doing, dude? Uh, I can't <laughs> complain. It's Monday, you know? It is what it is. All right, so you know what? Should we do? Do you think we should play the clip? Should we play his song? I think we go in with it. Yeah, Eric, oh, no. this is uh, the dude, Mike Vincent. How you doing, man? Fellow musician here. Um, not a professional tourist, but we'll get into that. But yeah, <laughs> let's hear the clip. Man. Okay, let's hear the tune. I'm going to play the clip. We got about 30 seconds of this clip, so here it comes. That was the that was an original by Eric Hansen called Find My Way. Eric, uh, man, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you penned this jam. Uh, oh, gosh. Um, was in a bit of a dark place at the time. Uh, 2018, I owned a couple of companies, Freedom Trucking and H&H Logistics. Uh, basically, I had a small fleet, my own uh, freight brokerage a whole bit. And things kind of tanked there and the whole thing went under at the end of 18 uh, and we're struggling with it in a really big way uh, was part of a the founder of a Christian rock band out of Cedar Rapids Iowa at the time and one of the things I turned to was to writing to help me deal with it you know struggles like that the failure putting a lot of friends out of work uh, mountains of debt, the whole bear thing that goes along with it. Hey man, hold on one second. A little cowbell for all that too. I'm glad you were able to find strength in uh, in music and yeah, what amen. you're doing. Yeah, and so that's that's where the song is born out of. Uh, a lot of it took us probably about an hour, hour and a half to actually write that thing. Uh, we've had some songs that knocked out 15 minutes. Others we've been working on for three years and still haven't finished. Um, and that one took a, about an hour, hour and a half to get cleaned out there, pinned out. And actually, my son, who played bass for us at the time, uh, actually did a lot of the writing on it. 
far as coming down the baseline melody, and it, it just kind of worked out really well. It's not a fan of the recording. I was down in my home studio at the time, mm. uh, but hey. definitely proud of the work that we did. Hey, well, you know, we had like Trey Griggs do his song for us. And I got to say, you know, if we're, if we're right, dude, if we're uh, I, I, we're not, it's not fair enough for us. We're not going to give you a score because you didn't write this one specifically for the show. But Trey had that challenge too, right, dude, where he had to play it over a telephone signal. We're going to have to like isolate that and do a virtual recording, right, dude? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, he did a he did a live version of his. Uh, uh, yeah, over the, over the over over the phone. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do some uh, we're gonna do some, lay down some tracks over top of it. You did this one in your home studio, Eric. Is that right? Yeah, at the time we had a actually we my wife and I had downsized. We moved to Iowa from Texas, and part of our downsizing ended up with a home studio. But unfortunately, wow. no longer Very possess cool. it. But, I wish I could downsize into a home studio, Eric. <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't the idea. So the house doubled in size. It's just the two of us, the whole empty nester bit, and a home studio came out of it. And, but unfortunately, it no longer is, but it's all good. Well, hey, what's your first love, man? Music or supply chain? <sighs> On a Monday, it's music. <laughs> <laughs> Coming back into hundreds of emails and voicemails. Trying to, you know, fix disasters. I run the entire mid-Atlantic region for dispatch. So I oversee six different markets and about a thousand uh, contractors. So some days it gets, it's cake. Other days, uh, I question every life choice. Yeah, definitely. Music can be therapeutic. I find that myself, Eric. No, no doubt about it. (laughs) No doubt about it. But you're also a professional tourist, right? So, when we can go and travel, go anywhere, where should where should we go? Where should Dooner and the dude go? Well, it depends. What are you looking for? Uh, we're looking we're looking just looking to get away from uh, everything going on, everything crazy in the world. What's the what's the what's yeah. the best getaway spot? I just I want I don't want a cell phone signal. I just want to block the world out. Yeah. I'd say the Swiss Alps, without a question. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And this is thing from five years uh, being stationed in Germany back in the nineties when I was in the army. Uh, and traveling all over Europe, did the Asia, definitely heart still lies in Europe. Uh, spent some time trying to get back there actually as a DOD contractor. Uh, but yeah, I would just say, you know, road trip or actually even better, Europass, hop on a train, spend three months uh, living the life. Well, well, Never Vin- spent three months doing it, but I Vin- recommend it. Vincent, if we go to the Alps, Will, we won't be too far away from those raves up in the uh, Netherlands area. Yeah, we could yeah, we could go on up and do that. We could also <laughs> practice our yodeling, bro. <laughs> we can. Hello, oh, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what? You are also going back to school. You're going back to Texas A&M in the fall, so congratulations on that. Are you, are you excited to get re-educated? What are you hoping to learn? Well, originally, it's, you know, again, you know, it's 20 years in transportation logistics. Uh, but my first love has always been education. So contacted the school, went through the application process, and I'll be starting out in August working uh, dual majors in history and political science with a minor in secondary education to go and teach high school. You're going to go back and teach uh, logistics, Eric? No, um Actually, it'll probably be uh, social studies and history. Wow. Nice, nice. Back, so, hey, one of the topics club. we've been talking about, Eric, though, is 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 driver safety, et cetera. We just talking to Ellen about that. Uh, uh, one of the biggest concerns for women drivers was uh, this year, as she was talking about with safety, what with the COVID-19 and now uh, 
some of the protests going on that have, have turned scary for some of the drivers. But also uh, the concealed carry laws, the reciprocity. What? How do you say it? Reciprocity. Reciprocity bill for concealed carry laws. You think that'll improve safety? You think it's a bad idea? You have an opinion on that? I think it's long overdue. I, I honestly believe it is seriously long overdue. Um, huge Second Amendment advocate, uh, huge personal freedom, personal responsibility adequate advocate as well. Um, you know, it's the the limitations on the driver's right to defend themselves would be no different than if someone said, "Well, you can speak your mind in Alabama, but once you cross into Georgia, you know, you really need to have a permit issued by Georgia." Go and say what you mean. Same concept. Oh. Ingrid was uh, Ingrid Brown. She called into radio over the weekend. She was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Bury my gun like at the now entering whatever state it may be sign. And then you need like a treasure map to the gun. Then there'll be a whole bunch of piles of guns of just everybody pe- putting their guns there. I don't know. It sounds like a bad <laughs> scene. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're a like me. And I say, all right, we should free guns. No. Uh, and, and all in May, you know, I spent uh, about 14 years out there. Everything is a company driver to owner operator independent. And yeah, I would say for about 900 of those million miles, I was armed. Mm. No, no question about it. Um, you know, I've had a concealed handgun license in one state or another for the last 15 years now. And there's times where I would tap dance around some of the, the, the rules in some states. I'm sure I've passed the uh, statute of limitations and all that now. But, you know, that being <laughs> said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, good thing your time's running out on here so you don't uh, implicate yourself on, on what the job yeah, we wouldn't want you doing that. Touchy uh, there, man. What state was that again, Eric? What, <laughs> could you give me the date? Well, your end date, please, <laughs> uh, and your e-log. Well, you I, want e-log. <laughs> I need your paper logs on that one. Uh, Eric, yeah. hey, Eric, if people want to connect with you and learn more, how do they go and do so? Uh, best thing is on LinkedIn. They can reach out to me there. Um, I'm on Facebook, and that way they're easy to find there. Uh, if there's if someone's got questions about uh, any type of safety issues, uh, uh, these email probably the easiest one at freedomtrucking at gmail.com. Th- thank you very and much. I'll put a link to that on there. Cool. Thanks for joining us today, Eric. We appreciate it. And good luck with uh, your track, man. Thanks for uh, playing it forward with us. Wow. Good. You know, I, I, we put the call out there right on Friday and he immediately stepped yeah. up. So more Stan Duncan's going to play a track for us on Friday. Oh, nice! Yeah, he's got a. Oh, you know, he's gonna. Is he gonna play live? He's gonna play live, or he's yeah, sending he is. A, a no, he's gonna play something live. J. W. Barnett. He says, "Judged by twelve beats, carried by six. Pew 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 until empty. Peace will you reload." So, I mean, hot button topic. Uh, That's his opinion on that one. Um, okay. <laughs> well, let's check out with uh, Greg Ackner. That's not, you know, you got to be careful. You know, when this, this topic comes up in light of some of the the drivers being pulled out of the trucks, but in a situation like that, I don't know if a gun necessarily puts you in a better better circumstance. Even though that driver did get did get beaten, he was still let go from the police. And if he had fired on someone, God only knows what would have happened in that crowd. Oh yeah, absolutely. It can it can be a catalyst to turn a a bad situation much much worse. It, it absolutely can, and I, I agree with you. Who knows what happens if if he, the guy's carrying a gun and actually acts uh, to use it? But you know, people that I talk to have got their concealed. Uh, it actually makes them uh, less aggressive and makes them look for the out prior to taking action. Uh, just knowing you have that there and the responsibility you're carrying with along with that firearm uh, can be pretty heavy. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree with you right there. Let's dial Greg Ackner up right now. He's vice president at Capital Logistics. They are based in White Plains, New York. And let's see what Greg's up to. Hey, Greg, thanks for joining us on the show, man. Hey, guys. Good, good to hear from you. How are you doing? Uh, we're, we're doing good. What brings you on uh, on What the Truck? I see you on, on LinkedIn swimming out there. You know, thought I'd, thought I'd try and reel you in. What's, what have you been up to? What's the good word? Uh, things are good. We're pretty grateful, pretty lucky here at Capital Logistics. We've uh, stayed somewhat busy throughout, you know, the ups and downs of this market. We're predominantly a reefer shipper. We move a lot of produce, things like that, uh, a lot of food products. So we've been one of the lucky ones that have benefited from a little bit of this crisis, thank God. Nice. So, hey, uh, Greg, I, I read that you're you're missing live music. So, just a a, a quick kind of fluff question at the beginning here, because I'm interested. Yep. Is is sure. when we can go? Let's say we can go to any concerts that we want to. They're back. They're they're back. Uh, who are you going to see? Fish. What's the first band you're fish. going to see? Wow, he said fish. he's got fish. Fish. Not even didn't even didn't he, not even a flinch, not a hesitation. Yeah. Doing around that not one. a fish. flinch, not a question. That's my go-to all the time. Dude, I used to work for a company that was based in Vermont, and uh, yeah, the the owner of that company from, I know he was a big fish fan, which in turn made like the rest of the sweet the sea sweet fish fans. I don't know if they actually were like diehards. They might have been posers to look good for the owner, but the owner sure was, and a lot of people in Vermont, big time fish. That and Ben and Jerry, man, a lot of pride. I was just saying, I think it's because of Vermont and not because they were trying to impress anyone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> kind of DNA up there. Oh, yeah. That was kind of like a backhanded compliment at Fish, wasn't it? I didn't mean that. Right. <laughs> you know, Greg, I, I worked with a guy in a former life who graduated from Indiana University, got a job with Roadway Express out on the West Coast in San Francisco. He drove. I was driving out, ran into a dead concert, made it to San Francisco four and a half years later. Wow, <laughs> he just got he just got roped <laughs> into the cold, man. You, well, Greg's not there. Greg's not that when he's so he actually does go to work though. He's not just following fish around. He's uh, the vice president <laughs> at Capital Logistics. You mentioned it. You know, reefer is one of those categories that that has uh, survived a little better throughout this COVID nineteen situation. But how is that? How's the year looked for you guys? Um, you know, it, it, for us. You know, our first quarter is typically a little bit of a more quiet quarter. We're doing a lot of bid work, kind of uh, coming out of the holiday season where we're really, really busy. And everything starts to kind of ramp up towards, you know, the normal the normal ramp up of, of the typical produce season, you know, based on the seasonality, based on where it is geographically. So we kind of stayed on that similar path throughout the year, which is nice uh, so far. Um, we did have a pretty, you know, mediocre May because of our big spikes in April, thanks to, thanks to uh, the stockpiling. You know, people did stockpile in their freezers as well, which helped us. Um, May kind of leveled out, was a little bit weirder than it, it normally would have been. But then towards, you know, towards the end of May, West Coast Produce started kicking up and that really, you know, helped us get back to where and now we're starting to exceed those where we normally are this time of year so it really looks like year over year it's going to be end up being a great second half yeah and we're seeing the same thing in our numbers greg so that that's interesting to see and good information appreciate that very much and but sure. one thing that I want to note is, you know, we talked to many different uh, companies here in little and logistics firms, et cetera, and they're different things and kind of highlight some of the things reefers a little bit more specialized than people uh, would think is it not it, it, it definitely is. You know, there's a lot that goes on. You know, you're not just 
going out there brokering a reefer load saying, hey, keep it at temperature and go from there. You know, the world, like you guys were talking about earlier uh, with, I forget the woman's name from the woman in trucking, but, you know, she had mentioned, she made a comment that, you know, it's not the same game as it was 20 years ago. Don't just throw the guy a number, keep it at 34 degrees and go from there. You know, the technology, the temperature monitoring, um, the updates that are required, the automation, it's, it's all there. The, the monitoring of the cold chain is, is, is a lot more stringent than it once was. Um, and the companies and the, sh- the larger shippers that are out there that are taking care, especially in the food safety world and things like that, you know, they're, they're really selective on who they're going to do business with. And their expectation is expertise, not just saying it on your website. Hey, Greg, what, you know, when I used to do LTL, I used to, the one thing I used to wish, you know, customers I spoke to know, knew was their dims. You know, it seems like every time you call me, you got to remind them of the dims or something. But when you're, when you're doing reefer, what is something that you wish more people knew about or what would surprise them about this specialized category? Um, I think a lot of people, you know, think they can load the, you know, one of the things a lot of, a lot of reefer shippers try to do when they're inexperienced, they try to load the, the trailers a lot heavier than they should. You know, that weight of the reefer unit is, you know, a, you know, 1,000, 1,500 pounds or something like that. You know, so we're trying to keep it maxed at 43,000 pounds where like a dry van load of paper or something like that, where you can go up to that 45K to keep it under 80 gross. Um, it's something that a lot of shippers don't know. So we see instances where we're cutting weight all the time. You know, another thing when you're talking about food, which is predominantly what we're shipping on a daily basis, the margins are so slim. So stuffing every single thing that you can into that trailer... Um, try to maximize, you know, the margin on everything that's moved there is, is something that a lot of shippers tend to do. Um, some of them, are, you know, some of the larger ones, a lot more of the ones that are regulated, they're a lot more seasoned. They understand, they draw out the trailer specs and such. Um, but you, then you have some that aren't so educated when it comes to that. And, you know, you're, you're tending overweight, you're dealing with going back to the shipper, you know, you have to pay your driver, then you have to fight with the customer in order to get that money back because you loaded overweight. Well, he wasn't overweight last time. And, 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 you know, it goes on, so on and so forth that way. That's one of the things that we see that, you know, a lot of shippers may or may not be aware of. Interesting. Good insights, uh, Greg. And one thing we've been talking about here is if if you've been reading the, the news about it is this this move for a, a federal reciprocity law in, in concealed gun carry. Uh, you think this will help with safety? Do you have an opinion on that? So by nature, I'm not a gun guy. That, that's just, mm-hmm. it, it's, I, I'm, I'm of the belief that there needs to be better gun laws. Um, however, uh, if there was better gun laws, these guys wouldn't need to, to carry concealed. And the fact of the matter is that you know, all hours of the night, weird places, some shady, some not so shady, but there's maniacs in every corner of the globe. And if I'm in their position and I can carry a small piece legally, I'm probably doing it if I'm a truck driver. Yeah, I mean, look, it's yeah. it's hard to it's hard to blame you for wanting to be able to protect yourself, even if it's just last resort, because you are out in those isolated situations. And uh, as we were talking to this gentleman by the name of uh, Joe Rakovics, he was saying that even and he'd been through like the L.A. riots and everything. He was saying that. But even in good times, drivers put themselves in bad situations. So you can understand yeah. why uh, this issue would be much more prescient to them than, than maybe some others. Greg, I appreciate your insights on the show today. How do people reach out and learn more? Um, so they can check us out, capitallogisticsllc.com. That's our website. There's contact info all over that site. 
I'm on LinkedIn. Um, those in the industry have probably seen me pop up here and there, spreading my opinions <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> not as often as most, but um, that's pretty much the main ways to reach out if anybody's interested, for sure. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for uh, coming on today, Greg. We really appreciate it. Wow. Some nice Thanks, insights Greg. from the uh, the world of reefer, right? Big deal. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you, you, it's interesting to learn uh, the different aspects. People think you just plug it in, keep it cold, can't. <laughs> little, little bit more difficult than that. All right, let's welcome uh, Emily Zink, GM of content over here at the Freight Waves to the show to do a little section we like to call Big Deal, Little Deal. We get through uh, all the news stories we haven't yet. Ooh. Hey, Dooner, how you doing? So truck stop restaurants, as we've been reporting on FreightWaves.com, they're starting to open again, but under new COVID guidelines, a lot of social distancing in place. So you'll see tables six feet apart and also fewer items on the menu. So do you think drivers will pull up a seat? Dooner, this first one's for you. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they will. I, I don't think that it was necessarily COVID that was keeping a ton of drivers away from rest stops in the first place. I think what was keeping them away was the fact that they were closed. Um, they were following the guidelines because they had to. The stores were closed, but I think the second you open them, I think drivers are going to go back. They spend a lot of time on the road. They, you know, if they haven't seen a ton of other drivers getting sick, they're going to be interested in going back into those rest stops. So I don't think they'll suffer. But an interesting argument that's come up is the one if the food trucks can stay at the rest stops. And I know a lot of drivers are hoping that they can. And uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, it'd be cool if, if they were. So did, was that big deal or little deal? Or? I think it's a little deal because I think they're going to come back anyway. Yeah. I don't think you're going to have to convince them to come back like you might in some other areas. I mean, look, Vegas reopened too. people there were walking around blowing smoke in each other's face and uh, acting like business as usual. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's I think it's a little deal. I think the the the. Uh, uh, the perimeter issues are more of a big deal, like you said. Like, uh, and I wasn't even thinking about the, but the the uh, uh, food trucks. I think that'll be a bigger issue uh, as far as making a decision. But I think the people will come back to these things. I think the other bigger deal is the fact that these these truck stops and these restaurants are going to have to learn how to operate much more lean and much more efficient in order to be profitable. And that adversity is actually a good thing for a business to go through to learn how to uh, to to be more lean and more efficient. So. Good points there from both of you. Well, Oklahoma-based Stone Trucking Company is shutting its doors and laying off more than 50 employees. The company states a coronavirus disaster as the reasoning behind this closure. Vincent, big deal or little deal? Well, it, 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 it's a big deal for those 51 people, uh, employees uh, going out of business. It's a little deal in the grand scheme of things as far as, as trucking companies going out of out of uh, going out of business. But it, it's hard to say little deal when 51 people are, are now out of work. I think the bigger part of this, again, is is the preliminary is why they want it. It was the oil and, and, and gas, uh, really, the business collapse that, that put them out. And it just shows that even those niche carriers, we've talked about finding your niche and being niche, uh, that can harm you as well. And it's just another example of there's other industries out there that affect everything trucking is going on in logistics. And you've got to be watching those to understand and be able to pivot on time or have the foresight to understand that there's this light coming down a tunnel and, and it, it's, it's not daylight. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, Craig Fuller had tweeted recently was – about these trucking companies shutting down, right? He said one of the reasons we haven't reported a ton of shutdowns on FreightWaves.com of these smaller owner-operators is because there haven't been a ton of shutdowns of these smaller owner-operators, but we will see what happens when this PPP money runs out, and it could be a much bigger issue for a lot of these companies, especially if they're being kept alive 
by by all of that, you know, we're hearing more and more about companies defaulting on bills and, and POs and things like that. So the money's going to come for somewhere. And at some point, the bills do have to get paid. So I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more carriers going out of business as the year progresses. I would agree. And just to interrupt one, if I could, Emily, just for one second is, is to just to add to that is when we, we talked with John Kingston last week and he brought up the numbers from the Bank of Montreal, BMO, and those uh, uh, write-off loans and those impaired loans spiking 40% up year over year, which would indicate that there's a, a large number of smaller to medium-sized fleets that are really in some serious issue right now. And we could see this this wave as, as, as Craig uh, you know, rightfully pointed out, uh, even as we go through this recovery. That is a really good point there. Well, recently, Elon Musk tweeted that it is time to break up Amazon, stating monopolies are wrong. He was upset after he heard that former New York Times journalist Alex Berenson's newest book about COVID-19 doesn't meet Amazon's guidelines for selling. On Amazon.com, the author has been a critic of the coronavirus lockdown. Vincent, is this a big deal or a little deal? I think it's a huge deal, and I think Elon should come on What the Truck immediately or is not sooner to talk about this so we can get his word out and why he feels Amazon should be broken up. <laughs> well, you know, we and, did we did have Nickel. <laughs> we had Trevor Milton from Nickel on. And, Vincent, you, you, you joke, but he, Trevor Milton, he didn't attack, you know, Tesla or anything. He actually he, he remarked that they, you know, one of the reasons for Nikola's success is that Tesla has paved the way, and I thought it was really cool and gracious of a. No, he. You're exactly right. He was very gracious towards Tesla. You're absolutely right. I expected him maybe to attack him, but he he seems like a genuine guy and a very honest guy, and and he was uh, truly gracious to them. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they actually have active. Uh, pat- they have active active patent lawsuits against uh, against Tesla. So still cool of him to recognize that Tesla itself has helped create. This market and this uh, economy. Uh, let's see. Elon here. I don't know. He break up Amazon. I mean, Amazon is huge. Would it be terrible if they did get broken up? I'm not necessarily sure. I mean, we look at Google and Amazon as being these huge, massive data collectors that are out there. Uh, at some point, it may be necessary to break them up. So maybe Elon's not wrong. I don't necessarily know if it's over this book, though. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, and I, I joking at first, but I, I think it's a little deal. But uh, Emily, I, I think... It, one, the thing that struck me was at first it was it was like it seemed like it was over this book and maybe it was over this book but then they they came back and they they have reinstituted the book and they are they are selling this book so his first claim I guess was censorship right but does Amazon fall under censorship laws I mean they're they're just a retailer they can sell whatever they want to right they don't have they don't they're not going to fall under anything where they're actually censoring news or anything like that like a, a CNN or a Fox News or anything like that. I don't think they could censor news, but I think they can decide what goes on their platform and what doesn't. If something, um, say, is a conspiracy theory, they may not be able to post that. But along the guidelines of this book, I I don't see any reason for them not being able to list it on their site. So um, I think it was just... He's been tweeting a lot. If you guys follow him, he's he tweets about every little thing. He also thinks the president of Barstool Sports should run for president um, in 2022. So he's kind of been on this weird thing. But yeah, going I think he just that kind of started his whole attack on Amazon. And then he got to the point that he was trying to make about their monopoly and we need to break up monopoly. So, yeah. I'm sure he'll have another tweet about something completely different today. Lockdown is doing some crazy stuff to him, I think. But he keeps it interesting on Twitter. This next one is rather 
it's weird. I didn't think that this would be the result of this recent study. Autonomous vehicles won't make roads completely safe. Auto safety experts say that humans cause about 94% of our crashes right here in the U.S. So a new Insurance Institute for Highway Safety study says computer-controlled robocars will only stop about a third of those accidents. Dooner, is this a big deal or a little deal? It's a big deal because that 94% of deaths represents a lot of people dying on the road. It's like number one, number two, or number three cause of of death in the United States. So if you can prevent a third of one of the leading causes of deaths in the country, it's it's odd how people decide to to form headlines. And because you could also make this a positive, like one third of deaths prevented by robocars. Instead, it's trying yeah. to almost minimize the impact of robocars well, just by... You know, this is- this is this is actually 94% of U.S. crashes, not talking about deaths. Yeah. Well, I mean, but a lot of people die when they crash the cars, right? I mean, I don't know the exact statistics on that, but if you can prevent a lot of these crashes and you're doing with robocars, I, I see that as a positive more so than maybe even the headline implies. I, I think it's actually a, a, a great thing. I mean, I one of the, the factors in that study is that, uh, that regular humans are still also driving cars at the same time. <laughs> that that's a good point, Dooner. And and I, I was looking at it from and, and thanks for pointing that out, Emily. I was looking at it from from deaths and I was ready to go big deal. I'm still staying with big deal because 34 percent, if you can if you can get rid of 30 percent of all the crashes, that does obviously save lives. But but think of the think of the the, net, the non-efficient money in the economy being spent on 34 percent of all the crashes in the United States. It's huge. Think about a great way we could also get rid of crashes if people put their cell phones down. That easily (laughs) eliminates texting while driving. That easily would eliminate, I think, that would drop that number 94 way down. Maybe they should link the ignition to your cell phone. Yeah. They really should. It's it's a dangerous, dangerous thing. They are being driven by computers. They're being driven by whatever their phone is telling them to do. I mean, that's or not do. No, it, it, it's completely true. Well, companies like Coca-Cola, Mondelez, and P&G are now trimming SKUs. It's all in an effort to try to reduce supply chain complexity in a very volatile market. Vincent, big deal or a little deal? I, I, um, <laughs> this is, it, it's a big deal because I mean, trimming the supply chain and trimming the fat and becoming more efficient is going to, uh, is going to help future-proof your supply chain and make it less vulnerable, make it much more efficient now, reduce costs to uh, the companies and to the consumers. And if reducing SKUs is helping you do that, then then uh, that's a big deal. Now, I mean, if you could take the other route, and maybe Dooner's going this way, is that there's less, there's less um, uh, variety or choice from the consumer, but I don't think it'll go that far. So I think it's a big deal from the from the standpoint of you've got major corporations, obviously, just uh, cited a few of them, uh, that are looking at their supply chains and find ways to make them more efficient coming out of this. And like I said, adversity can breed really good invention and positives coming out of it. And I think this is one of those things where you're looking at that trim, trimming of that fat and looking at that efficiencies to future proof and to avoid and to survive through these times can bring a lot of good and efficiencies out. Oh, golly, he is so wrong on this one. I mean, do you know how many flavor profiles that Coca-Cola and Mondelez have together? Look at all the look at all the snacks that Mondelez have. Yeah, he said that I was going to call out that consumers have less choice. And of, yes, of course, that's terrible, especially during a pandemic when people are doing a lot of comfort eating. They might want to try the new Oreo, the new Dorito. They might want to try, you know, Cherry Diet Dr. Pepper, or they might want to try the Zero version that doesn't have the aspartame. There are, these are the little dude, victories. You were, you were a suicide guy, weren't you? You they, just get every single... 
single these are flavor, the right? little victories that we have when we are in lockdown. These are the things we look forward to. Oh, are they going to bring me the, the new Dorito from Publix? And then you don't bring that to me? You're saying I can't have that anymore because you got to, what? What do you call it? Optimize your supply chain? Yeah. <laughs> Huge <laughs> deal. We all, we all have to make sacrifices, Dooner. I don't You're know. You have to stick with your cherry limeade, bro. What if they sacrifice <laughs> something I like, though? <laughs> I'm surprised he wasn't banging on that cowbell while he was making his point. He got real heated about that one. I see soapbox. Yeah, your soapbox about skews. I, I love it. Well, this is a crazy story, and I feel like if a movie hasn't already been made about it, it is in the works. According to NBC, multiple people have died over the past decade while looking for a treasure chest that was buried in the Rocky Mountains <laughs> by Forest Fen. Over the weekend, a New Mexico art dealer announced his famed treasure chest has been found. Vincent, or actually, Duner, this is you. <laughs> Duner, big deal or a little deal? I mean, this is, well, A, it's a huge deal because these things are usually like uh, like a hoax. Like, uh, who is that? Maury going in the, uh, the tomb, going into Al Capone's tomb and he had nothing in there. Or going to the Pharaoh's tomb and there's just a bunch of dust and toilet paper. But here there actually was this, you know, the oval, you got the Ovaltine Dakota ring and there actually was the this hidden <laughs> treasure there. But like the story is kind of amazing because not only was this not a hoax and it was found, but a lot of people went looking for it. And I think six or seven of them died while they're out there so there's skeletons there's blood on this treasure's hands and i know that like forrest fiend he wanted to play uh you know grown-up goonies with everybody and have them come and look for this stuff but i don't know some people died along the way to try to get it so i know personal responsibility at all but i don't know if forrest fenn may be liable in all of this i still think it's cool that he did it and he hit it and um and that someone actually found it because again usually these things are just they're just made up they're hoaxes there's no treasure yeah, I think there's the big deal is that there actually was a there actually was a treasure there, and it wasn't just a wasn't just a hoax. I also think it's amazing that I searched and I can't find anybody suing him for wrongful death in the six or seven people who died looking for this thing. You'd figure somebody would. Uh, I, it's a little deal, but it's cool. I think I think it's pretty cool. It sucks that people died looking for this thing, but they you know personal responsibility. They went after it, and I do believe that this is actually this. There 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 was a movie made about this. It was uh, was it not City Slickers: The Search for Curly's Gold? Yeah, or yeah, go- or Goonies. You got One Eyed Willie. You're looking in his treasure chest. I think you know. Do you think that I do you think this will go viral? Do you think that more eclectic, uh, eccentric millionaires will start burying treasures and and putting maps out there for people to find. I know they do those like geolocation events, right? Where people try and use geo coordinates on their cell phone to go and, and scavenger hunt. But this was a, this is a little bit more old school with the treasure map or, or a poem full of clues or something, right? Yeah. It reminded me of there's a, there's a race in, uh, in, in Tennessee and I forget what it, it's a, it's a, like a marathon, but it's through the woods and so on. And there's just some clues and you get a compass and like out of 20 years and thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands of people, like seven people have ever completed the actual courses uh, is a geolocation type of type of event that you have like four days to do it or whatever it happens to be. But now, yeah, Emily, it would be cool if there was more of these. Emily, you ever do anything like this? You ever go on one of these scavenger hunts or play that like Pokemon game where you try and find Pokemon out in the wilds or something to that effect? Pokemon was a huge news story when I was working in Omaha, Nebraska, because people were actually getting out of the house, like off their couch, <laughs> not playing video games, but 
outdoors. It was actually a really cool movement to cover. So I did not play it myself, but I knew a lot of people did. But my parents, they always, when they give us one big Christmas present on Christmas morning, we have to go on a scavenger hunt to find it. So my dad will write clues and each clue takes us to a different location. So we've, I've grown up doing scavenger hunts. We do that for a lot of different events and something fun that you, you both could do with your kids to get them outside and play outdoors right now because the weather's perfect for it. Oh, well, we do that. I mean, we do it, but it's like, it's like find a leaf or something. It's not find like $2 million <laughs> in buried artwork. <laughs> no, it's not a million dollars worth of gold and jewelry. No, but I don't, you yeah. do make a good point. I, I think a lot more people, especially because the news and the social media um, kind of presence that this got online over the weekend. Everyone was talking about this treasure chest being found. I think a lot more kind of zany, weird art dealer types will be like, oh, I'm going to go hide some buried treasure. So I, I think this will start to be a trend we hear about a lot more. Well, what, what would you hide if you could hide something right now in Chattanooga for uh, Freight Waves listeners to go find? Oh, wow, oh. there's a good question. That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know. I... I Oh, no. I don't know. Vincent, do you have one? I really, I would say a truck. We have so many different neat trucks from all different. <laughs> yeah, we got some cool we trucks. We got some down really there. cool trucks. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we do. I've got some old, uh, I've got some memorabilia from the very early days, too, that, <laughs> of, of, freight, of freight waves. Sooner, what would you hide? I would, I'd, I'd probably hide some sort of cowbell or something, right? For the people. Okay. There hide you go. Your cowbell. Or we get some extra. I'm sure your neighbors would be happy to hear that your cowbell is gone. Oh, it wouldn't be Bessie. It would be uh, it would be a replica of that cowbell. I definitely wouldn't be getting rid of that one. Uh, What's coming up on Freight Waves TV? I know that tomorrow at at 12 noon on social media, you guys have the midday market update. Yep, midday market update every Tuesday and Thursday at noon from noon until one. We have great industry experts and also a lot of our Freight Waves editorial staff joins us to talk about stories. Wednesday, put that coffee down at noon. We also have Freightnomics at 2, and I skipped over 2 o'clock. Great quarter, guys, tomorrow. And then on Thursday, again, midday market update and freight forecasting with Michael Vincent. And Friday, we have What the Truck. I know we are running short on time, but do you guys have any teasers coming up for Fridays? We got about 30 seconds. Anything good coming up on Friday's show you want to give away? We're going to have awesome stuff. We're going to have another play at Ford, and we're going to wrap up that fifth wheel tour with Dave Abels and Wang Craig, amongst other amazing oh, yeah. stuff. You can find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. You can find her at Emily Zink. That's S-Z-I-N-K. He's at Vincent the Dude or look him up, Michael Vincent on LinkedIn. Carry the conversation on with all of us. Download the Freight Waves TV app. Subscribe to Freightcast. Get every single Freight Waves podcast all in one place. And I think that's about it. That's all I got for you guys. A little cowbell for everyone who joined us today. A little cowbell for, uh, for our guests who came on the show, people who uh, joined us on Facebook. Sorry about LinkedIn being down. We'll be back up on there. Anything else? Peace and love, everyone. Peace and love, everyone. Take us out of here. Let's drive out of the station. See you later. <laughs>